Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Electric. We are off this week, but Brandon and I still wanted to get some content out for you. So in place of a normal episode, we're going to be airing my live stream that I did on my YouTube channel in February, where I reacted to some EV FUD videos on YouTube and just kind of gave my opinions on them. And most of it translates pretty well to audio, but we will have the YouTube link in the description or the show notes below if you do want to watch on YouTube. As always, thank you so much for your listenership. And if you have any topics you want us to cover in a future episode, reach out to us on social media. But with that said, enjoy the live stream and we will see you next week. For the stream, basically, I've got some uh, I've got some kind of EV FUD or EB um, videos. Basically, I've kind of favorited on my just on my YouTube account and basically go through and kind of react to these videos of kind of either what's wrong with them or what uh, what might be kind of disingenuous that the presenter is talking about. Um, don't really mean this as accusatory or trying to call anybody out or anything like that. I think it's natural when you're creating content to not be, you know, 100% accurate. So um, I think it'd be good just to kind of react to some of these videos and talk about, you know, what they got right, what they got wrong. It's always a combination of both. Um, I've been watching some other YouTubers that do this on like history YouTube. They're like history teachers or like history buffs that that kind of react to videos other people put out that maybe are a little bit disingenuous. So I thought it'd be a cool thing to do on this channel. So let me pull up the videos I've found. And as I go through here, if you've got any questions uh, for me, or you've got maybe a suggestion for a video you think I should react to, it's probably going to be best to drop the title in the chat there. Um, so then I can just search it up and we can watch it on stream here. So I've got maybe, you know, about an hour's worth of videos. <laughs> I've got a, a lot of a lot of videos from a few different creators here, some big, some small. Um, but we'll go through them all and, and see how we do here. And the big question is, we're actually going to start with this one from Hoovy's Garage here. Um, I actually haven't watched this video. I don't know why it's showing that I've watched it, but I have not watched this. Um, apparently, he got a Ford Lightning and then sold it because of bad w winter battery performance. So good to hear from him and see what uh, what their experience was like. So let's hope this uh, this desktop audio comes through here. All right, pulling back into my neighborhood. It is 37 degrees outside and we have 37 miles of range remaining. We started with 149 and we went 64 miles. So that's 120 miles of range in 60 or so miles. Towing nothing. It's just cold outside. What? Welcome to Hoovy's Garage, the dumbest. So I think, <laughs> I think that kind of the beginning there, I think a lot of like either people that are new to EVs or maybe like just isn't uh, something they drive every day, they're used to seeing kind of this range number. And I think that is a little like, I don't know, it's almost like kind of the, the miles remaining even on gas tanks. It's like you've got this miles remaining, but it's it's really just a guess at the end of the day. And as soon as you compare it to, you know, your navigation or maybe the the actual trip you're taking, how many miles you went, it's never going to be equal. I mean, it's the case in in gas vehicles as well. And, and frankly, I don't think a lot of people even look at it <laughs> as a as a gas driver until you get down to kind of those those low miles when you need to go to a gas station and fill up. So I think first thing there, it's just understanding that that is almost never going to be accurate. I think that's a good thing to 
just be good, be uh, upfront about with some new EV owners is like, hey, like percentage, I feel like is always the best way to go with <laughs> with range. Um, but I'm curious if, if, if anybody in the sh chat is an EV owner, what you like better, either range or percent. I know I'm on team percent because I think it's kind of, I treat it like a phone. I plug it in when it gets down low and uh, just charge it up every night. I'm going to move channel in all of YouTube. And uh, well, this is my half of a 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning pickup truck that I've owned half of for about six months now. But the other half of the ownership of this, Rob Santori, you've seen him in a few videos before, he called me up and said, hey, I thought something was wrong with this Lightning because the range was getting so, so bad, but it turns out it's because of the cold weather and it is a widespread problem. He's seeing range about half of what he was seeing before, or maybe not quite half. And I thought, well, that's impossible. Yeah, it's cold outside, but it's not that cold. It's in the 30s, and you're not gonna see that big of a range drop. But then I looked it up online, that's and sure enough, too. there are like a lot of people complaining about the lack of range in the cold with these Ford Lightning pickup trucks. So I decided to borrow the truck again to see for myself, and we're going to do the exact same drive that I did with the trailer. 3,000 pounds of aluminum trailer with a car on it or so to the exact same place, up to the Car Wizards and back about 64 miles round trip and see how the car did. And well, holy smokes. But before we go on another lightning voyage, I'd like to thank Ridge Wallet for sponsoring today's video. I've been promoting Ridge for uh, years. He's been sponsorship. Anyway, here. it's okay. The much cards thanks to its completely related to the Ridge video here. So <laughs> in the description below. And this truck has been sitting cold outside. Yes, it is very, very cold outside. Thirty degrees. So looks like they've degrees. cold soaked the battery now. And this fourth grader, so well, he has no preconditioning. And then we're gonna head to the Wizards. So far, the truck is showing. Showing. Oh, has to go through its fancy presentation here. It is currently showing 149 miles of rain. So I'm trying to see like what percent that is here. I don't know which trim of the truck he has here. I don't know if anybody knows this or not. I'm curious what the uh, what trim this is. I'm assuming this is the standard range trim. It looks like he's at you know 80, 90 percent and only 150 miles. So I'm guessing this is the the shorter range, 230 mile one even though it is three quarters full because it is adjusted for winter time and what the average driving range of this truck is which is uh not very good right now but we'll see pulling up to my daughter's at least school. it does adjust i know some bye honey have a good day are, at school you know, i love you completely just based on epa yeah, range she warms up a little bit it's so. slow in the morning but that school run was only two miles i think we started with 149 we're at 143 so seven miles of range to go two miles unloaded there's no trailer back there it's just cold outside and we're driving to school and i think it's interesting oh great pause there <laughs> won't do them dirty like that <laughs> but i think the uh again it's like some of these basic you know ev things like keeping your car plugged in preconditioning it like a lot of these things just help with winter range so it looks like it was just left outside and not plugged in all night so you know, could have lost some range or just, you're starting with a cold battery. You're almost starting off on the wrong foot with an EV here. Again, with a lot of these things, I think we're going to go through. It's like some of these things aren't educated to people when they pick up the car. So it's, it's nothing against, you know, the individual drivers. I think we just, as the EV community and as, you know, EV dealers need to be a lot bit better about uh, communicating those things to drivers. And we are 10 miles into this trip now, and we have used 21 miles of range, here we go again. <laughs> wow, 
that's not quite as bad as towing a light load, but that's still really, really bad. And one thing I've noticed now that it's cold and I'm driving this truck, the heated steering wheel is very, very nice, except for this spot right here. It's, it's hot lava. I, I don't know why that that's piece gets superheated everywhere else. It's, it's normal, but this one, gosh, the coils are right, like pulling into the car wizards now. <laughs> and our range is now showing 98 miles. We started this with... Wait, is that 98 miles or 98%? So that's not even showing 98 miles. It just says 98% energy returned. I'm assuming, I don't know if it's because he's slowing down or what's going on here. So that's not 98 miles, it's 98%, but maybe it was in a previous... You know, it set it before it switched to that frame or something. Started this with 149 miles, so we used 50 miles of range to go 32 miles total. That's not as bad as towing, but it's still really, really bad. I have some things to do in here, and then we'll head back. It'll probably be a little better because it's getting warmer outside, and also the battery has warmed up as well, so we'll see. Okay, so now we'll see. What oh boy, was I wrong. So what I didn't realize when I was driving up here is the massive tailwind that I had. It's a little windy in Kansas here in this time of year. And it's probably 15, 20 miles per hour pushing me up yeah, Jason, to the so car wizard. Yeah, and now I am battling against it. You <laughs> see how the antenna is folded back pretty far going 75 miles per hour. Okay, so he's also going 75 miles per hour. I'm and curious, now like, how much of a trip 15 this miles, is. we're now at... 59 miles of range, so have we used 40 miles of range to go 16 miles? Am I computing that right? Again, it's like you're kind of, you're almost bending over backwards to like make the range number make sense. It's like this is why I think looking at efficiency or percent is almost better here. Like just if you can get to where you're going, like it's not a huge thing to worry about. I think the concern would be is if you're using, you know, twice as much energy, almost like MPG in a car. If suddenly, you know, you're driving a 40 miles per gallon car and it's only showing 20 miles per gallon on your like current trip, that's something to be concerned about. So, I don't know. Uh, now to, we're getting back into trailer to towing territory. Yikes. All right, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I still have another... Uh, 12, 13 miles to go, and I already got the range low warning, 48 miles of range remaining. Now the computer's adjusted a little bit, but in the summer, towing a light load, I did the exact same trip, and it didn't come on this low range warning until I was pulling into my neighborhood. <laughs> we still have 10 plus miles to go. I'm sounding like a broken record here, but this is so stupid. All right, pulling back into my neighborhood. It is 37 degrees outside and we have 37 miles of range remaining. We started with 149 and we went 64 miles. So that's 120 miles of range in 60 or so miles. Okay, so using about, you know, twice the amount of energy you normally would. So, I mean, a couple things to contribute to that. So, like you said at the beginning, the range is already adjusted for, you know, lower temperatures. You're also driving 75 miles an hour. If you've got a headwind, that can obviously, you know, contribute to range because you're, I mean, the front of the F-150 is a brick wall. Like it's, it's not built for <laughs> aerodynamic efficiency. I mean, 
that's why you see, you know, the Model 3 or, I mean, even the Ionic 6 that just came out, like those range numbers are way higher because it's, you know, a sedan. It's really sleek, low to the ground, efficient, you know, all that stuff. Trucks just are not built to be efficient. Towing nothing. It's just cold outside. What? So to be fair, the lightning was set up to fail because I just let it sit outside in the cold, not plugged in, so the batteries were dead okay. cold. Okay, so at started. least he acknowledged that. That's why that. the That's range good. the first two miles was so, so bad. And right. Ford does have some tips to help you with battery range, but some of them, you'll see, they are quite funny. So here's from Ford itself on an Inside EV article where it's giving you the best tips to get the most range out of your Ford okay. in the winter. And the first one, obviously, is parking your car in the garage whenever possible. Obviously, it's going to be warmer in the garage. And yeah. keeping it plugged in when you parked, that keeps the battery warm. Some good advice, I would second charged, that. All that stuff runs. And then number three is if you plan a longer commute, precondition your vehicle using departure times to warm up the battery. So you can go in your Ford app and say, I'm gonna be driving this car in 20 minutes, warm it up, that way the battery is good to go, and not driving off cold like Agree what I did. As well. All good advice. Now number four and five though on their tips are very funny. The first one, if equipped, use the heated seats and steering wheel as primary heat to reduce energy consumed by HVAC. That one so as well. So don't use your heater. I think that's uh yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think a lot of manufacturers or even like people in EV forums, I'll hear them say that like, don't use your heater, just use the heated seats and like heated steering wheel. I feel like that's still like giving up a lot as a you know, as a driver, you want to be comfortable, you want to be able to use heat. Obviously, those are way more efficient than, you know, using uh, using the heated steering wheel and using the heated seats. I think you can just use them in conjunction. I don't think it's ever worth it to just com turn it completely off. Even on road trips for me, I, I haven't done that. Don't use your heater in the winter. Use the heated seats because it consumes less energy. Okay, and then when charging, this is the next one, turn off the heater if possible, or lower the temperature enough to remain comfortable. So when you're waiting to That's charge interesting. your car, be as cold as you possibly can so it charges <laughs> Right. Quicker. Yeah, that's not, not cool. <laughs> really? Number six. I'm wondering if the, does anybody know if the Ford uses like the, the heater from the cabin to heat up the battery when you're fast charging? I'd imagine that's why, you know, they, <laughs> why that's a, uh, why they tell you not to do that, but that seems really odd. If your F-150 Lightning is covered in snow, brush it all off, and then keep your driving speeds low. Once again, go way under the speed limit, like with towing, and you'll get much better range. Uh, and then number eight, ensure your tires at proper pressure. Well, of course. So that is the eight tips, uh, three of them pretty darn silly. Right. Another Lightning story making the rounds described. I do, I do agree with that, even, you know, like I try to be careful when I'm talking with people that may be switching to gas or like maybe are, are anti-EV or whatever, like saying some of those things, you should know, like if you think about it for a second, like that's a, like you wouldn't tell a gas driver to be like, oh, actually like don't use your heat when you're fueling. Like, I guess your car should be off technically. I guess it is a little bit better, but, <laughs> but the, uh, I don't know. You just got to kind of think about like, what would somebody, what is somebody as a consumer actually going to put up with? I think we've just got to be careful OEMs and, you know, EV fanatics like myself of telling people like how to live with an EV. Like you should still be comfortable. Like you can't give up that much. It's a man plugging in his truck at an Electrify America station and it completely bricks. Dead screens has to be towed off, which actually tracks with us because every time Rob has tried to plug in. So I missed the beginning of that. Did he, was this pertinent to the conversation? 
and then number eight, ensure your tires at proper pressure. Well, of course. So that is the eight tips, uh, three of them pretty darn silly. Another lightning story making the rounds describes a man plugging in his truck at an Electrify America station and it completely bricks. Dead screens has to be towed off, which actually tracks with us because every time Rob has tried to plug in his truck at an Electrify America, it gives an error code. It didn't brick the truck, thankfully. <laughs> so here's the problem. Okay, so that, that seemed to be just kind of a sidebar, but that obviously is a concern. And there is, you know, communication between the truck and the charger, so it could be either of them in this scenario. I know, like, they all kind of use that CCS standard, so that should be set up for charging, and it should be safe, should be work every time. But I think interop testing and, like, EA should have basically every new vehicle in their in their lab or their testing facility to test it on chargers that they've deployed nationwide. Like they should just absolutely do that testing and make sure there aren't problems like this. So, um, especially cause Ford doesn't have, you know, a nationwide network <laughs> for, for charging. They have kind of the software network, but not necessarily the, the hardware network that they're owning and operating. So uh, a couple comments came in here too. Yeah. Jason said, I wouldn't think it would be ducted that way. I wouldn't, when they use flow and coolant to heat cool the battery packs like Tesla, I would think so. That's kind of how I'm thinking. So I don't think the uh, the heat from the cabin would be used to, you know, heat the battery or cool the battery. Um, I have seen when I've plugged in at superchargers before that the heater does like not output as much um, heat, if you will, when I'm stopped. And I don't know if that's because I have it set on auto and it's like an efficiency thing, like it's pulling away from the charging versus, you know, charging up the car or something like that. But the the HVAC doesn't take up that much energy. So I don't know why that's going on. And uh, Brian said, I always use the heat in Minnesota unless I'm hypermiling or testing something. Right. Yeah. You should always be comfortable driving your EV. Like telling people not to use the heat, I think is a little weird. This. Rob, the other half of ownership on this, uh, he drives around all day for work. He's a liquor rep, stops in dozens of liquor stores over the course of a week. So he is barely keeping up when it comes to charging at home and the range of this truck in winter, and it is stressing him out. So he's not sure if he wants to keep this thing anymore. And at some point, Ford is probably going to fix this and extend the range of these trucks dramatically which will probably make these plummet in value, kind of like the early Teslas or a lot of other early cars where they fix the bugs. So okay, a few things there. So he said they, the one guy is getting rid of it because he's a liquor salesman or something like that and is traveling a lot. Understand that completely. I, I still think, like, even though I'm an, you know, an EV nerd, EV enthusiast, whatever you want to call it, um, so EVs still are not the best vehicle for certain applications. So if you are somebody that literally drives for a living and is taking your car all over the state, going all over the place, I still think a hybrid or um, something like that is going to be a better vehicle. So I'd be curious, you know, also why they need a big truck for <laughs> driving all over the place when a more efficient car would probably work a bit better. So um, this is also not to say that, you know, EVs can't, be used for applications like that. I think we're still a few years out from, you know, the charging network, being able to stop at any exit and charge your car up in a half hour. And, you know, just, just having cars that have the range to be driving all day, stopping places, going in and out, all that stuff. Oh, we're thinking it may be time to dump this thing. I also have an invitation from my friends at Eddie Chevrolet Cadillac, which actually I used to work. At oh, I missed the other part there. So he said the 
Um, he's concerned about the value plummeting like it did in early Teslas and other EVs. And I think I we honestly haven't seen that a ton. I mean, it's obviously dropped a lot. I think maybe like early, early Teslas, like early Model S's, especially like performance Model S's that people pay in 100K for. But I mean, what, we're, we're 10 years removed now and they're kind of down at cheaper levels. So I think it's still maybe not as big a, of a concern. It's not like next year they're going to come out with a 600 mile F-150 and then all of a sudden these are going to plummet in value. I think it's going to be pretty similar to normal car depreciation. So I think that's a little bit of a, a false flag there. So we're thinking it may be time to dump this thing. I also have an invitation from my friends at Eddie Chevrolet Cadillac, which actually I used to work at that store over 15 years ago under a different owner. And nowadays they're making it into a crazy destination store. What they have in their showroom, I actually was in there buying a car recently that I haven't revealed yet on the channel, was totally insane. And it is a Chevy store that recently transacted a McLaren cool Senna. Cars in there. Yes, a McLaren Senna. They're getting a Huracan STO and an Aventador Ultima in as well. So this is not your typical Chevy store. And they have a new Hummer EV that they invited me out to drive and experience. Oh, nice. And I've never driven one before, so I definitely wanted to accept the invitation Curious because people's, I think Hummer uh, is doing thoughts on the Hummer EV. Right that I don't know if I've given a ton of thoughts on the podcast or the channel so here, but that's where we're going to go it's a gaudy today. vehicle. They're also going <laughs> to sure. give me a bid to buy this thing, whether I trade it in or they buy it outright to see, well, if we want to get out of this thing. But I can't go just yet because this thing doesn't have enough range to get there and back. So I have to wait an hour or two for this thing to charge a little bit in the garage before we go. So I'll be inside. Just ridiculous. I feel like so many like petrol heads and like gas car people like always, you know, do that as a quick dig at EVs. It's like, if you've got to go somewhere, don't like, you know, go hit a fast charger, then leave. Like, don't just sit in your garage for two hours. Like that's not how people are charging EVs nowadays. We've got a lot more fast chargers out there. There's a lot more options. Like just go charge your car. <laughs> so. Uh, a couple of more comments came in too. Jason said, uh, maybe it's just me, but I do not buy a vehicle to worry about its value. 100% agree. Yeah, like you should know going into buying a vehicle, it's a depreci depreciating asset that is not going to hold its value long term. Like it is meant to be used, driven, you know, I feel the same way. Like drive the car to the ground after you get it. <laughs> That's my plan with my car, at least. Um, Greg said, my thoughts on Hummer EV out of my price range. Agreed. That Kansas wind has picked up more as the day has gone by, so I'm sitting inside of the Hummer EV. I pulled up to the Chevrolet dealership, dropping off the lightning for an appraisal, and they are too kind to let me borrow this thing to see what I think, and it is an edition one. And the first impression is this thing is an absolute work of art, but the specs, first of all, <laughs> That's one 350 thing <laughs> miles of range, zero to 60, about three seconds. You all know about the crazy crab walk, which I can't wait to try. The battery capacity on this thing, get this, it's 212 kilowatt hours because this thing is huge. It's 9,000 pounds, very much like the old Hummer in comparison to the Lightning, 98 kilowatt hour battery because it is the smaller battery. So literally. Yeah, so that is the smaller battery in the Lightning. So double, which if there. you're going to a charging station to fill this thing up, it's reported that the Hummer EV can cost over $100 to fill up its charge. Which is yeah, because it's a huge battery old Hummer H2, which inefficient. is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. But in my opinion, Hummer has sort of leaned into these things being 
quite absurd and fun, and you just look at it. It's, it's like a video game. In the old Hummers, they would knock the interiors for the quality and fit and finish, but I mean, look at the vents in this thing. Look at the dashboard. Say, look at the buttons and the infotainment screen. Luxury vehicle. It's, it's just not a, absolutely not gorgeous. Not a tank like the, the original roof here, I mean, it's surprising that the base MSRP of one of these is around $100,000. They sell in the secondary market for double that, and it's easy to see why, because this thing looks like a really premium, fancy, fancy thing. And the performance is supposedly unreal. Hmm. Well, just pulling out of the parking lot, you can tell. It's an interesting, just like, uh, like YouTuber storytelling mode. Like, it's an interesting, you know, set up here with this video where he talks about like selling his Ford Lightning or getting rid of his Lightning and then he goes to a dealership and now is like test driving the Hummer. I don't know if that's just a storytelling thing to be like, oh, like look how much better the Hummer is or look how much different it is. So we'll see kind of how the second half of this video goes. Steering is helping things out a lot. You look at it in the mirror and it looks, <laughs> that is so cool. But it's making a noise. I think somebody has turned on the sound. <laughs> the faux sound. <laughs> it makes some kind of sound between a I'm still so torn on some of the faux sounds I've heard in EVs. Some are done so oh, well, other ones are just like, why did you spend weird people's time and through the speakers salary as working on this? <laughs> Alright, now we can really punch it here. Gee, many Christmas. This thing is fast. Holy moly. And it's 9,000 pounds that it can do that. A 0 to 60 in 3 seconds. Yeah, compared to the this Ford, like, this is a Finally at the completely highway different ramp. class of go. vehicle. Oh. Like, this is clearly like a performance SUV truck. Whatever okay, slow down. It, whereas whoa, whoa. The F-150 is a work truck. This feels 100 years into the future. See you, Jason. Thanks for tuning in. I had no idea how amazing these things were. I thought, oh my God, it's another truck that's marked up double its MSRP. That's so <laughs> stupid, but. I don't know if it's double. I mean, it's got a, it's, I, I mean, it's probably marked up over MSRP, but in terms of the price of the vehicle for 200 kilowatt hours, like if you compare it to some other vehicles, I mean, the price is somewhat reasonable, you know, given how big the battery is. If you're just looking at battery cost alone. Hummer is way, way underpricing these things. Looks like it has Super Cruise as well. I mean, this truck, it is a total home run. And if this is the platform that the future Chevy trucks and GMC trucks is based on, a toned down, less blinged out, cheaper version of this, Ford Lightning, it doesn't stand a chance. Well, this is- There you go, there's the comparison. So that's, that's really interesting that he First half of the video, it's like, oh, the lightning sucks. Second half of, the, half of the video, they're like, look how good this GM is. So obviously don't want to be accusatory here at all, but just an interesting kind of storytelling here to be like, look how awesome the GMC is. And like, I'm excited for what GM's doing and Ford doesn't stand a chance. Like you're also, we're driving the, the lower trim <laughs> Ford Lightning and now you're driving the Hummer EV, which again, as I said earlier, I don't feel like it's even in the same class, so. Life-changing experience. Very interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna go home in the driveway, crab walk this thing, and then talk about why Hummer did such a great job with an electric pickup truck, and Ford should probably take some notes with this thing. Yeah, Ford should build a 200 kilo, Ooh, or 200 cool. 
$1,000. Right, back in my driveway, and we are crab walking here. We have this fancy knob that changes the mode. I do want to see the crab walk. I don't think I've even seen a video of this, of a, like, YouTuber doing this. It's like a video game. It's nuts. All right, we'll put it in off-road, and I think we hit this button for four-wheel steering. Do we hold it down? There it is. Oh, my gosh. Crab walk engaged. Okay. And here we go. This is this is so goofy, but so amazing. I love everything about this. Wow. I will say four wheel steering is like a really neat feature to add add to add to big trucks like this. I'm hoping it comes to more EVs. I know I know Mercedes is doing that with the rear wheel steering, just like not as dramatic as crab walking, obviously, but it is a is a very neat feature to add. It writes a... Oh yeah, a couple of comments. Brian and Greg completely agree. Yeah, very odd comparison in this video. I wasn't expecting this on going in, honestly. I thought it was just going to be digging the lightning the whole time. So this took a weird turn. Big historical wrong, in my opinion, when it comes to this brand written off as a useless, excessive gas guzzler. In the Great Recession, it went away, but now it's back as an electric vehicle. But it's still just as ridiculous and excessive and impractical, but so, so cool. Electric vehicles, they should be a big flex right now, especially when it comes to... <laughs> Electric vehicles, they should be a big flex right now. I don't really agree with that at all. I feel like they need to... We're at the point where they're past a flex. They are, you know, consumer vehicles that anybody can drive at this point in time. Like, most people, you know, middle class, making a decent wage, can afford an EV if they're looking at buying a new car, obviously. Um... And they shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be a flex driving an EV anymore. It should be commonplace. It should be normal. It should be, you should be able to blend in driving one. <laughs> There's so many EVs out there that are so, just look like gas cars. Like, a, like especially the new Hyundais, the Kias, like, they just look like cool new cars. They don't look like anything too flashy. Fucks so. in my opinion. There's no way an electric vehicle is going to replace a pickup truck in the practicality when it comes to towing and doing normal truck stuff anytime soon so you might have yeah I, I half agree with that i think it, it really depends on how you're using the truck it's i think it's too broad to say evs ev pickups will never replace gas pickups right now i think there's certainly applications where people are only driving you know 100 miles a day with their pickup doing trips around town maybe hauling some small things and they can use it as a work truck so I don't think they're completely, uh, <laughs> that's completely fair to say. We'll make it as fun and goofy and crazy as possible and market it as such. And that's what the Hummer EV is. The Ford Lightning, it seems like they're out to save the world with the thing, at least in the marketing. Yes, it's a viable replacement to a Ford F-150, but you have so many limitations. This truck is not looking. I also find it interesting that he did not discuss range. Um, in cold weather on this truck because that was you know that's the title of the video here talking about winter battery performance and there was no discussion on winter battery performance in the hummer just completely skipped over that replace any gmc or chevrolet pickup truck at the moment it's basically going after exotic cars that people want to flex in like a lamborghini urus i'm trying to think of something to be comparable to but it's like a lamborghini or a ferrari pull up to the club go crazy in something like this a maybach would be another great example but you can <laughs> go off road you can use it as a daily driver around town but they lean into the craziness with 
can use it as a daily driver around town if you can fit it in a normal parking spot. These things, and I guess that's why I like it so, so much more than the Ford Lightning, plus the range 350 miles. So the next trucks that are going to come from this platform, the Chevrolet and the GMC, a much So did he officially trade it? it He's obviously got it back in his garage. I'm curious. A much simpler version at a much lower price is going to have starting 400 miles in range and start for around 40, 50 grand. We don't know the exact specifics yet, but having an electric I'm curious on that because they're like, I mean, Ford is doing the exact same thing. It's a, their, their <laughs> higher trim trucks are 300 miles, 40, 50 grand is kind of what they said as well. So I kind of doubt that that Chevy will actually hit that mark. For a truck rather than adapting an existing one is probably the reason why it's doing so much better than say a Ford F-150 Lightning when it comes to range and performance in adverse conditions. We'll see when the new ones come out, but already it seems like it's cheaper, it's going to have a lot more range, and if the quality is even half of what this Hummer EV is, well, it's a brick house in comparison to a straw house with the Ford F-150 Lightning. Just so, it's such odd comparison. Like, you're comparing it to a truck that's not even out. <laughs> like, people do this all the time with kind of these comparisons. It's like, he's comparing it to the, the new Chevy truck, and it's like, it's not even out. Like, Ford actually has a product out, so it's very odd comparison. And speaking of, I guess I have to take this thing back now and see what they have to say as far as a bid on that thing, because Rob really does want out of it. All right, back down to earth in this Ford Lightning, which is a very advanced car, but it feels like a dinosaur compared to that Hummer. Man, what an amazing thing. And a big so thing to Eddie yeah, Chevrolet this, Cadillac this whole video for took that a very experience. Dermatory, like I said earlier, is just unbelievable. So He's obviously, you know, talking about the Chevy dealership below, as well. So as it's like, you. I don't know. But they were Again, also, don't want to like accuse anybody of anything, but like, it sounds like he's obviously working with the Chevy dealership. <laughs> Gives them a shout out on this Hummer, like is bashing the Ford Lightning the whole time. Very, Very just odd video. How hard they worked to get a, a good complete trade turn I wasn't expecting. on this truck. The first couple places they called were around MSRP, which isn't bad. But then they got one uh, that wants to pay well over, which is what these things are selling for, well over MSRP, at least for now. Which I'm talking to Rob, and it seems like we are going to take it. So... This may be the end when it comes to Ford Lightning videos, but I've pretty much done everything that I've wanted to when it comes to YouTube videos with it that wouldn't involve like harming it and hurting the value. And Rob, who planned to daily drive this, uh, doesn't really want to do it anymore. So we'll see what happens. But thank you so much for watching. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, definitely drop your thoughts on the, the video. I see. Yeah, Brian said this turned out to be a Chevy ad. Yeah, very odd turn in this video. Um, I can't, I don't know how to say this. EV Silix or something? EV something. Um, I'm glad the prices have dropped to something reasonable on cars, still higher than it might have been in the BS of 2020. Um, finally got a Model 3 Performance 18. That's awesome. Yeah, congrats on your EV. Um, yeah, overall that video just really odd i was not i thought it was going to be you know all ford lightning the whole time and he switches to chevy and doesn't even like compare the two on the things he was digging the ford on so very very interesting video so this next one i get recommended scotty kilmer videos probably you know weekly i watch about maybe like one out of ten i see i don't think i've seen this specific one um 
He is a mechanic, so he's obviously, you know, got a background in cars in general. So, you know, generally I go in kind of trusting people with a background in cars, um, regardless of what kind of car they're looking at. But obviously he is, uh, based on some of the electric car videos I've watched from him, he's pretty biased um, towards, you know, existing gas and, and diesel trucks. So we'll uh, see what Well, here's an interesting one. U.S. emissions grew last year by 1.3%, even though renewables have taken over from coal as a larger supplier of electricity. For the first time... Okay, so claim right out the gate. He says U.S. emissions have grown. Um, let's just go year over year. have grown 1.3%. And when was this published? Four weeks ago. Okay, so he said last year, so I'm assuming he's referring to 2022. Let's see. Let's see, EPA might have some good data here. So I'm just checking, you know, is this a reliable, claim right off the gate emissions increased from 2020 to 20 by 6.8% so <laughs> yeah Scotty hurts my head yeah he seems to scream like throughout the whole video that's not really not really my style but apparently a lot of people are watching it so we're gonna react to it it seems to be uh Yeah, Brian, grew from the COVID years. Yeah, I'm curious if it's like, because it looks like grew from 2020 to 2021. I understand that. I'd assume the 2019 to 2020 uh, dropped, and then we picked back up, obviously, in the in the past years. So I'm trying to find like a good graph or something, maybe. Because they just have trends here where it's increased 7%. He said 1.3%. Let's see if we can just search for uh, grew 1.3. Preliminary gas estimates for 2022. Okay. So this is Rhodium Group. We'll be curious to see if they're a reliable source there. Based on preliminary economic activity and energy data, Rhodium Group estimates that greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. slightly increased in 2022, rising 1.3% previous years. The reversal in 2022 was largely due to substitution of coal with natural gas, a less carbon-intensive fuel, slightly, yeah, and rise in renewable energy generation. Well, the second year there. Okay, so it's actually, I mean, this, it seems to be like, this is actually a good sign. <laughs> like emissions grew 1.3%, but that's not what it has been in previous years. So kind of, I mean, kind of a half truth, I guess. The data is correct, but it's a little bit presented a little bit interestingly. Yeah, completely agree. Statistics without context can be misleading. 
climate six decades, wind, solar, and hydropower generated 22% of the electricity in the United States, compared with 20% from coal. Yet emissions are still up. So, people think that there's this magic power going to come from the sky. Well, guess what? People are using lots of energy, just as if you want to compare it with car industry. The pollution from cars is actually going up because now they got these, they got to get better gas mods, ratings, and blah, blah, blah. But Americans are buying lots of big trucks, lots of big SUVs, which get crappy gas mods and pollute more, right? You got the government on the one hand. That is true. There's, there's some interesting... Uh interesting data and reasons why we've gotten bigger and bigger cars in the u.s and a lot of it has to do with like tax code stuff <laughs> which is just so interesting um i think kind of the the short version is that it is uh you could write off certain vehicles that are over a certain weight so people businesses that sort of thing are buying these bigger vehicles because they can write them off and then you know that obviously kind of trickles throughout the the whole economy when people see you know oh this person got a bigger car i can get a bigger car too it just kind of trickles from there but interesting background um a lot of data in that first one i'm not going to fact check everything because i feel like i would just do that every three seconds here um but the uh yeah the the interesting part i guess is kind of based on that initial stat is it doesn't sound like emissions are rising as fast as they have in the past so in this and the people said we want big giant vehicles well the two of them don't go together if you want to lower emissions it's just i find it absolutely the other thing i missed on the the bigger cars thing is the emissions rules are usually based on the size of the vehicle as well or the weight of the vehicle so one way you can get around having you know a, a less efficient car is just building a bigger car <laughs> so a lot of these a lot of these oems instead of you know making a more efficient um four-door sedan will just be like, oh, we're just going to discontinue that and build an SUV and not have to work as hard to make it more efficient. Really hilarious. These people, these giant SUVs talking about, oh, they're going to save the planet. Well, they're driving around in their giant SUVs. They're doing the exact opposite of what they say they want to do. Two years ago, Biden said they're going to lower the emissions. Actually, they've gone up somewhat from generating electricity, even though they've gone. Again, they've gone up, but not as bad as it has in the past, it sounds And more like. towards solar and hydro and wind power. Bit in the bucket of the percentage of what comes out. I was reading a Canadian study and they said, if we all go to electric cars, here's what we're going to save. And you look at it and it's like, hmm, less than 10%. That's I will say, I think this is something that uh, a lot of, you know, anti-EV people say, will say like, oh, well, we're just switch. Why are we switching to a electric? It's not even going to make a drop in the bucket in terms of emissions. And... That's kind of partly true. I think obviously a majority of the emissions come from industry, like these big companies <laughs> that are doing, you know, their their activities to be be a business. But there's there's still some advantages to EVs on the the environmental side. You know, we saw it during COVID when people weren't driving to work and weren't polluting the streets and stuff, and you could just see the amount of like how clear the skies were around like LA and some of these bigger cities because people were driving around and polluting as much. So I still think there's a, there's an advantage to be had switching to EV. So.
this doesn't seem like much, you know? But of course, they can put these rules upon us as private individuals with what we drive. But the corporations, of course, get away with murder with all their factories and stuff because they're corporations. They buy the politicians out and the politicians do their bidding. For example, nobody's built any refineries in the United States to make gasoline for quite some time because the old refineries are grandfathered in. So they can pollute, but the new ones can't. So nobody builds new ones. They just keep patching up the old ones. And that is true. It is like significantly cheaper now to build a like new solar field than it is to like fix up a um, either a coal plant, natural gas plant, whatever to be, you know, with all of the current emissions uh, stuff. So. And my video just dropped off, so give me one sec. My new webcam is nice, but it is kind of buggy and it gets brought, uh, it crashes a decent amount, so. All right, I should be back now. Good to see my face. In this case, you can make new laws that say, hey, everybody's got to get 55 miles a gallon, but you can't stop people from driving their giant trucks and SUVs. So where the rubber hits the road is what you want to watch, not these talking points of politicians, blah, blind, kissing babies and eating apple pie. No, you need to see what's actually happening on the ground. And on the ground, it actually hasn't decreased, it's increased. So don't think that these policies make any sense whatsoever, other than they are boondocked. It was getting way more political than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, so we're, you know, we're kind of, like I said, I respect people that are, you know, have worked with cars or mechanics or whatever else, their opinion on cars, but this is, you know, none of these are really opinions on cars. These are all on kind of emissions or politics. The waste so a lot of money on things that actually don't do all that much. I mean, there was an article the other day by a scientist and he said, even if we switched all our cars to electric cars, uh, it's too late for that to really have any effect on climate change. Something more radical would have to happen. He's probably right, too. You know? But the politics... That's probably true. I'd, there's definitely some truth to that. Again, it's it's very interesting that he's just kind of saying, oh, these new... These new studies are coming out. And he's mentioned, you know, four or five different studies or articles so far. And, yeah, there's, like, just nothing in here really supporting what he's claiming here. Can say, oh, electric cars are on the electric car dream bandwagon. And guess what? Look at the electricity. It's still polluting the generation of it. And if we have more electric cars, they're going to have to pollute even more to get electricity from. It's not magic. Electricity. This is a, a thing I hear all the time is like, oh, our electricity usage is going to go up. So like, how much is that really saving emissions? I mean, we've seen, you could Google this right now, you know, EVs pollute significantly less than gas vehicles. If you look at, you know, wall-to-wheel emission, or uh, sorry, not wall-to-wheel, uh, cradle-to-grave emissions of EVs versus gas cars. EVs are significantly less. That's just a, that's a fact. Come the sky. We're not going to be driving cars with solar panels that charge them. They don't work that well. And it's not sunny all the time. You know, there's so many drawbacks. It's not sunny all the time. We can't possibly use solar. I'd greatly dislike that argument. <laughs> 
make your head spin. It's Harlow 08 says, my RAV4 burns oil and gets poor gas mileage. 350 kilometers on a full tank and city slash highway driving. It's become a gas hog and it burns oil. Well, unfortunately, you got RAV4 with that two point. Okay, so we shifted to, I guess, listener mail or something. Somebody's got a RAV4 that's now burning oil. A four liter engine. They screwed up on those engines. I would go to Toyota and see if they fix it, but usually now they say they're too old and they're not going to do anything about it. They made the piston rings wrong and they burn oil. Then they're going to get worse gas mileage too as time goes on. There's All things you don't have to deal with in an EV. No arguing that. If I were you and Toyota isn't going to do, contact them. See if they're going to do. Tell them Scotty told you that's a bad engine. What are you going to do? And if you live near Clarksville, Tennessee, bring it here. I'll make a video with it. Maybe we can shame them into fixing your engine like they did bunches of them. But they always have a restriction on mileage and age and most of them have passed. They won't fix them free anymore. If that's the case, then they won't fix anything. Have a wet and dry compression test done to your engine. Pull out the spark plugs because uh, unfortunately you got one of the few bad years. They're great vehicles, but that 2.4 liter engine was just, they had piston rings. It just screwed up on that. You know, they don't screw up much, but they screwed up on that one. John Dewood says, my car leaks when it's raining. I got. Okay, we might've been gone past the, the EV related stuff. Maybe there's some here, but. They're just notorious for getting them on the fuse box. I just want 500 bucks, just generally charge. I think it's funny when people like, go all anti-EV and then they talk about everything that's wrong with their cars and stuff they gotta fix that aren't problems on EVs. <laughs> Love the ju juxtaposition there. Um, yeah, Brian, good point. Love the argument that it might be too late for EVs to make a big difference. So should we do nothing? Yeah, that's, it's like, it's not a, uh, just because it's like too late doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything. It's like, no, like we should still probably try to do something and small changes have a big impact over time. So awful lot of money working on. Them. Well, the baloney of Elon and his boring company goes on. If you don't know what I'm talking about, boring's the one they bore the tunnels, right? And the loops of people are going to drive on to stop congestion and stuff. I mean, it's a giant pie in the sky and more baloney has come out. They post their impressive loop statistics for the one they have in Las Vegas, the tiny tunnel in the ground, right? To go to convention centers and stuff, right? I mean, it's never going to go from city to city. It would cost too much much money but yet is that the plan to go city to city i don't think that was the plan with boring ever is to go city to city i thought it was just inner city pr baloney machine goes on with elon oh look look at all the people we moved and hey they could have built an escalator on the ground like at an airport and moved people too if they wanted to and it would have cost a lot less than that boring a tunnel in the ground i mean listen to this nonsense they tweeted point. it was our privilege to provide transportation at the las vegas convention average ride time less than two minutes average wait time less than 10 seconds 94,000. I actually was at the convention that he's probably talking about. I was at CES and rode the boring tunnel there, and it was actually quite nice to get between hotels and the convention center without waiting for a lift. So say what you want about kind of the boring tunnel. I, I agree the car setup there of like just using cars probably isn't the best idea, but the fact that they had kind of a system set up, they, had, they have set routes underground of where they're going, set hotels. I mean, it is... Frankly, it is a subway system with cars. <laughs> That's about all it is. Um, but I think something like that is is neat. And 
really the the technology behind the boring company i think a lot of people miss because i had family members and and friends ask about it after i wrote it was like the technology for that company is the boring machine it is not you know the tunnels themselves it is that they can bore fast uh, tunnels faster than other machines that are out there that's really the main technology of the company um but that part is boring no pun intended um, so they really, you know, hype up the, the cars driving in tunnels and all that. But eventually, you know, the, the best way to do that is with trains. It's not with car individual cars. I think that's a bad idea. Total passengers. 4.9 out of 5 stars by people who reviewed it. Come on now. You got people going to conventions in Las Vegas taking a short little ride. This is not a practical thing, these boring companies. If you look at any of the statistics, they said they're going to do in all these cities. And then the city said, well, show us, you know, what's it going to cost what? And they never even got back with them to give them a price to say, well, we can do this, we can do that. It kind of a sidebar, but I think it's interesting that cities spend so much money on, you know, road repair, like keeping roads up, up and uh, going, like widening roads, road construction, like all this stuff. But then as soon as like public infrastructure is proposed, that is like a separate kind of line item on the budget, it instantly gets like... People hate it. <laughs> it's happened in Ohio multiple times where we try to do light light rail or like a subway system or things like that, but it just never, you know, never gets passed. So I'm probably going to skip the rest of this. This is really kind of just like ranting. It's not really anti-EV or like EV related completely. So not a ton of great content here. So I'm going to skip the rest of this one. Um, we'll go to this one by Doug Demir. I've actually seen this video already, and I think this is a really good... There's a couple things that are kind of like, not disingenuous, but like I might react to. But for the most part, I agree with what a lot of Doug is uh, is saying here. So the only thing off the bat, I wish uh, this is kind of like a Q&A type video. But the, uh, the self-driving car thing it always gets kind of conflated with EVs. And I it, it's very frustrating when people kind of conflate the two because... I think Tesla has almost given the car, the EV industry that uh, that background is like, <laughs> hey, if it's an EV, it's self-driving. And it's like, those are two completely separate things. Like an EV is not a self-driving car. So um, anyway, let's uh, let's get to it. This is Doug DeMiro. And today we're going to talk about a question that I get fairly frequently, namely, would I buy an electric car? And also, would I buy a self-driving car? People are often asking me this question. I get it all the time, primarily, I think, from car enthusiasts who expect me to say, no way. I hate that stuff. I would never buy an electric car. I would never be driven by a machine. V8s forever. But my answer on this topic uh, is actually a lot more nuanced than that. So, love nuance. Let's discuss. <laughs> like most arguments, there's that. You know, it's not always cut and dry. Before I get started, be sure to check out Cars and Bins, which is my enthusiast car auction website for cool cars from the modern. I will say, Doug is like. You can tell he just cares about cars. Like in all his videos, I think that really comes through. He's one of the few that are like, this is obviously entertainment, but like he really cares about cars, you know, EV or not. And I think that Focus comes through Focus sold for $15,000. We love so. the weird stuff. And up car cars and bids, uh, and bids is the place to do it with daily auctions and great selection at carsandbids.com. Okay, so I'm gonna start by answering the first question here, which is, would I buy an electric car, an EV? 
Um, I get this question a lot. I really do. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of gasoline-powered cars. I own something like seven of them. Many of them have V8s. Several of them have manual transmissions. So you would think that an EV would kind of be at odds with the stuff that I enjoy and appreciate the most. That makes sense. It, it does kind of seem like it would be that way. And that's also true for a lot of enthusiasts. When a lot of car enthusiasts get asked this question, a lot of them answer, no way, I would never buy an electric car. EVs have no soul. I would never consider it. No chance I would go electric. Uh, but my answer is, yeah, I would buy an electric car, definitely, if it fits the very right purpose in my life. Um. Um, I kind of forget what where this goes here, but it's funny that he has seven cars that he's talking about. If the car fits the purpose in my life, I'm curious what that's So be. specifically, I would buy an EV under the following circumstances. Number one, I would only buy it as a daily driver car. So a car that I'm driving every day, usually to go and you know film these videos. I drive a lot in throughout Southern California and the Southwest in general to go and film. And I would buy an EV for that sort of daily driver purpose, sitting in traffic, being on the freeway, basically commuting. That's what I would buy it for. EVs are really good at that. So, And most importantly, I would buy an EV for daily driver use, but I would never, ever, ever buy an electric car as a replacement for one of my fun, enjoyable performance enthusiast cars. So, Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I don't think there's a problem with that. There's, there is something to, you know, driving a manual car <laughs> or driving a gasoline car. Um, the sound, just the, the rumble, the experience, like, EVs can get close and it's 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 kind of different but not always equal for some people so I think that's you know fine having in a, a gas car for fun. Those are the circumstances in which I would buy an EV. And I think car enthusiasts, when they hear, would you buy an EV? They start thinking, they're coming for my manual gas powered car. And that's <clears throat> not my situation. They kind of are, they're really not making, not, not EVs themselves, but car companies really aren't making a lot of manual cars anymore, so. I would want both, but if I could have both and if I could use the EV daily, that's the situation in which I would use it. So the big question then is why? Why would a car enthusiast like me, a V8 love? So the two conditions, if anybody missed that, the two conditions were daily driver and doesn't replace a fun car. So, I mean, the second one's kind of a, kind of a condition, but basically he's saying he would only buy an EV for a daily driver or a manual transmission guy, why would I want an EV? And there are actually quite a few answers to this question that I think speak to the benefits of EVs. Gas prices, obviously one, they are insane astronomical right now. Electric cars pretty much subvert all that. You don't have to pay for gas, of course. A lot of EVs have extra interior room because of packaging. You don't have a massive engine up front. You can pull the interior out and make it a little larger. And so you have a bigger car inside. EVs are generally a little quieter than regular cars. Um, obviously no gasoline engine. So they're nice and quiet when you're driving around, which is nice. Um, EVs also have some environmental benefits that gasoline cars don't have. I know that people are going to say, well, they got to make the batteries and that's very costly to the environment and blah, blah, blah. And I get that. But not using fossil fuels to propel the vehicle does serve an advantage even if you know the creation of the batteries has a disadvantage and so there is some environmental benefit to it and i think that's a that's a key point i'm glad he called that out as there's like there are environmental benefits i get that that question from a lot of uh people just asking about evs is like hey like isn't this don't you still have to like create a, like create or use energy to create the battery and and things like that and that's true yes but 
my response is usually you make the battery once and then after that you can fuel it with whatever you want with the gas car you're locked into fueling it with gas we've got to continue to mine gas we've got to continue to drill for gas we've got to process it ship it to the gas station like there's a lot involved in this whole gas production process that evs frankly don't have to deal with because we have a nationwide electric grid already that is <laughs> transmitting electricity all over the place so I think the more we can kind of center around that is better, in my opinion. Also, another benefit is you can charge an electric car at home. No more trips to the fuel station, the gas station to fill up. You can Huge just bring benefit. it in, plug it in, and That's you're good to go. And it's kind of nice to be able ones. to sort of do that, not really think about it, and not have to make you know stops at gas stations, which is nice. Now, another reason, and probably the main reason why I would consider buying an electric vehicle is because I don't really use my daily driver car for driving enjoyment. Right now, this is my 2020 Land Rover Defender, and I drive that car big distances uh, all throughout Southern California and frequently okay so he's comparing an EV to his Land Rover Defender is kind of the the comparison here is Arizona to Las Vegas further than that often and so I don't really use my daily driver car for pleasure or for excitement it really is more of a tool a point A to point B kind of tool and so having like the perfect driving dynamics or a super crazy enthusiast car it's not necessarily something I'm looking for from my daily driver vehicle it makes sense therefore to consider an EV most of them don't have great driving dynamics but it doesn't really matter to me from a daily driver standpoint if that daily driver car isn't the best, the fastest around corners, the most planted, the best steering and handling, all that stuff. It's not really what I'm looking for for a daily driver. And instead, what I'm looking for, kind of a point A to point B commuter car, could be well served with an electric vehicle. So for my world, for that purpose, it makes sense. I think that they, I mean, they can do both too. Like daily drivers can be fun cars. <laughs> and I think we've seen that with a lot of EVs. They're like luxury vehicles, but you know, they still have a lot of performance and, but they're also quiet. Like all the benefits you kind of said earlier, it's like, they're, you know, EVs are hitting. Oh, then the question is, well, if you would buy an electric car, why haven't you? Why haven't I bought an electric car yet? And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one is charging at home is actually a little bit difficult for me. I don't have a driveway, which is an unusual circumstance for most Americans. I understand that. But I have a garage that backs up to an alley. And so my circumstance is that I have two very special cars in my garage, far more special than any electric car is. My Audi RS2, my Ford GT. Uh, my Mercedes G-Wagon convertible, all of those cars are I very special, very rare, and they are not going to be sitting <laughs> anywhere but inside the garage. So as a result, if you had an electric car, normally you'd park it in the driveway, and you'd just charge it there, and it would be no problem, but I don't have a driveway. So then I'm stuck street parking and you can't easily charge an electric car when it's parked on the street. The city won't let you run a cord over the sidewalk that's right. against the rules and I can't install a uh, charging station on like the sidewalk or the right of way because that's city property. So there's a few kinks that I need to work out in my own personal situation for exactly how I would make an electric car work with my life. I figured out one way or another but it's a little bit of a challenge for me right now. A charging pad would be so that's very interesting. The uh, um, So Doug's obviously an outlier here. I think most people with a garage are using it for either storage or parking their car. So I think uh, Doug's certainly an outlier here where he's, it sounds like for the most part he is storing, you know, nice, like, uh, holy grail type cars in his garage. So certainly an outlier. I think his point about street parking though is very true. Like some people don't have a garage and don't have, you know, a driveway to pull in their car. 
Um, but if uh, I'm not going to look up the stat right now, I think around 63 or 64% of Americans, US, US Americans, have a garage and a driveway. So I think for the majority of people, that is not necessarily an issue. Obviously, there's still, you know, 30 or 40% of people that do have that issue. So I think there's, there's going to have to be some creative solutions. And I hope cities get a little bit more open to having, you know, EV charging where everybody is parking. You should be able to charge your EV anywhere you park your car, personally. And we're getting to a, a driving pad here, so or a charging pad. So oh, so, so wonderful. Um, the other reason why I haven't bought an electric car, and this is probably the bigger one, frankly, is that one way or another, but it's a little bit of a challenge for me right now. A charging I pad would charging be so, pad. so, so wonderful. Um, the okay, so that was just kind of a throwaway thing, but he's showing video from his McLaren Speedtail review. I'm curious what this charging pad is. Is it just charging the 12 volt or maybe it's got a small hybrid battery? I'm not too familiar with the Speedtail. Other reason why I haven't bought an electric car, and this is probably the bigger one, frankly, is that I actually drive long distances frequently. Uh That's fair. And I think I mentioned that in the, the Hoovies Garage videos, like, hey, EVs just still aren't the best car if we're going to be doing true, like, long-distance driving consistently. They're just still not... Um, still not I drive to it. Los Angeles. I live in San Diego. I drive to Los Angeles uh, at least once a week or once every two weeks. And although people in the rest of the country think that San Diego and Los Angeles are 10 minutes from each other, they are actually hours apart. In fact, those drives there and back is often 250 miles, which I will do in a single day relatively frequently. I also drive my new Land Rover Defender cross-country and back every year. Every June, I drive it across. Every August, I drive it back. And that's a trip you can't feasibly do with an electric car. EV owners will tell you, no, you, you just stop and fill it up, and it takes 40 minutes, and you have a nice lunch, and then you get back on the road. That's not how I drive across country. I go right. and go and go. <laughs> and go i don't want to stop every five i think this just speaks to how different all all drivers are some people literally do drive like this it's just like they stop as short as possible and one thing switching to an ev is is given me is like to enjoy the road trip a lot more more than you know just hammering the gas pedal driving 80 the whole way just to get there it's like you can actually enjoy the road trip like with an ev because you know you've got to stop at certain times you can actually get out, stretch your legs a little bit. Like some people call that a disadvantage. I think it's it's been an advantage for me because it's like I'm not as stressed out even on on road trips because I know I have to stop and can chill. Hours for an hour. It just it's not a feasible thing to do. And I do that trip frequently. I've done it uh, uh, four times in the last eighteen months. It's a it's a real thing. I also to film these videos often have to drive all around Southern California. I frequently have to go to Palm Springs, which is 300 miles round trip with a lot of hills and elevation changes. Las Vegas, which is about 650 miles round trip. Phoenix, which is about 700 miles round trip. And all of those aren't really that feasible with an electric car. It adds some real complication. All of That's the fair. companies that make EVs will happily tell you something like 92% of drivers never go more than 40 miles a day. Well, I'm one of the 8% who actually does relatively frequently make these longer trips, which That's becomes fair. a problem with an electric car as my only car or as my main daily driver. Now, I should say this doesn't completely rule out an electric car because some of them are now doing 400 miles of range, which even for me solves a lot of these problems. And of course, I could get an electric car for most trips and then a non-electric car for others, but that seems like kind of defeating the purpose and a little bit of overkill. But that's... that's 
<laughs> it's funny, like, with the context that he has seven cars, that it would be overkill to have, you know, two separate cars for different uses. <laughs> an explanation of why I haven't yet gone EV. I don't think any of these challenges are, like, insurmountable. I think this is all still doable. I can, I can eventually get an EV and kind of deal with the consequences and figure it out. But those are the main reasons why I haven't yet for my personal situation. So, and the question is, well, what would I get? What electric car would I buy? So recap of that, I think it's it's uh, I think that echoes a lot of what I hear from people that are maybe thinking about switching to EVs are a lot of those same kind of things. It's like so his uh, oh somebody said Doug has a new baby, so his go and go driving may be coming to an end. Yeah, um, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, but yeah, on this on this point, I think these are a lot of the similar things I hear from people that are thinking about switching to an EV. It's like yeah, I've thought about it, but I'd have to make a few lifestyle changes. It just doesn't quite fit for what I need. Um, and I think changes like this always take a little bit of a kind of a mental switch or a, like you've got to kind of take that leap into something different, right? So we're seeing it more and more. Obviously, EV adoption has continued to climb up and we're seeing more and more people do it. I think things like this aren't necessarily going to hold long term, you know, EV adoption from happening if I was buying an electric car. And the answer is- On to which car is he gonna buy? Is with infinite money, I would get a GMC Hummer EV. I think they are the- <laughs> Got two GMC Hummer EV shout outs on this, uh, this stream so far. Uh, Brian said, I used to power through cross country. I prefer the style of short charge stops, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought I would until I did. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I was I was definitely the person that got through, like just tried to get there as soon as I could. I'd try to avoid stopping if I could. But um, as you can see on the stream here, I drink a lot of water too, which definitely uh, <laughs> causes me to stop a bit more than, than I'd like sometimes. Coolest things in the world. Truly the coolest pickup truck. That's I think funny. they're it's awesome. They're absurd. The uh, it's, a, it's a truck that can crab walk and it's also a convertible and it's just cool and it's fast. It has a thousand horsepower. Everything about it I think is insane and cool and awesome and that's what I would buy. But I think it, this is funny coming from uh, coming from kind of the petrol heads or traditional gas vehicle lovers just how much they like the Hummer EV because this is like if you just maxed out everything on an EV, I feel like you get the Hummer EV. <laughs> so this is, uh, it's interesting. On here. the secondary market right so now, they're selling for $220,000, That's an enormous amount of money. I won't be getting that. Not to mention the fact that it won't fit in my garage and there's all these other issues. It's way too heavy, et cetera, et cetera. But I love those vehicles and I would love to have one. Realistically, without infinite money, right now in my life situation, I would probably get, if I was getting an electric vehicle, either a Rivian or a Ford Mustang Mach-E GT. Rivian would be. I'd probably like the Rivian more. I've just been a fan of kind of everything they've been doing with their trucks. I like the Maki -E as well. I feel like the Maki -E is just like a solid car from Ford. So I don't think there's anything wrong with the Maki, -E, but I feel like the Rivian's a bit more unique. Cool. If I could get one at the. <laughs> yeah, Brian, you got me. This this whole live stream is actually a GM ad. So. Stay tuned. I think the next one's about GM. As well. List price on the secondary market, those are selling for $110,000, $120,000, which is a lot of money. I think the truck is worth that, frankly, given all that it offers, but I'm not really about to spend $120,000 on a pickup truck. It's not really my kind of thing. I don't like buying new cars and spending big new car money anyway, um, but I think at list price, Rivian makes sense. And a Mach E GT, I think, is a fantastic vehicle. I think it drives well, it handles GT well. Is pretty sweet. The technology is great. It's a lot of really good things. Uh, 
we're seeing a lot of like performance crossovers and performance, you know, SUVs, if you can even really call it that, uh, which I find very interesting. To say about that car, and I think that it would be on my short list as well. Now, you're probably wondering, well, why not Tesla? Uh, the truth is, I love Tesla. I think Teslas are great. They make fantastic cars. I just, living in Southern California, I must say I'm a little bored with it. They're everywhere. <laughs> Last year, the Tesla Model Y outsold the Honda Accord, which is insane. If you and now the top-selling vehicle in California, I believe, right? Or top car brand in California. Told me when I was a kid that a startup car company was going to outsell the Honda Accord within 15 years. Right. I would be astonished. It's a ridiculous thing, but they are impressive. really common. And it's just not cool. It's it's they kind of have become sort of the Toyota Camry of electric cars. Not necessarily a bad thing. It's a great car. The reason everybody buys it is because it's so great. But I always like to get stuff that's a little more interesting and exciting and, and unusual. And I think I would pursue that. I do recommend Teslas to everybody. I think they're great cars. I just think um, we've gotten to a point where they're just not they're just not special anymore. They're they're just kind of everywhere. But they and I think that's do have a lot of great benefits. And I would probably consider one, you know, further down on my list eventually. So, I think that's so interesting, and I I hear that from I I echo those sentiments as well. It's like I think the Teslas are going to become the the Honda Accords, the um, Toyota Camrys of EVs, where it's like if you just don't even want to think about the car purchase, you just want a you know reliable EV that you can you know you know you're going to be able to get to charging stations, all of that stuff. I feel like Tesla's the no brainer for that. <clears throat> so I think uh, I completely agree with that. It's like if you're if you don't want to think about it, you just want a good, reliable car. I think you can't really go wrong with it. That's electric vehicles. There's an explanation of my electric vehicle situation. But what about self-driving? We may skip this part. Um, we'll go to conclusion because. I'm not talking about self-driving And frankly, really beneficial, and it would really cut out some of the annoyance of, you know, having to sit there and babysit the car when you're doing such a simple task that a machine should be able to do with no problem. And frankly, one of the only reasons that I'm actually a little bit disappointed with my new Land Rover Defender is I wish it had better self-driving tech. It has great adaptive cruise control. It'll bring it all the way to a stop, get started again. That's great. But I wish it had better steering assist. Many new cars have that. My Defender is now two years old. Um, and so it's just a, it was a little too early to have some of these more advanced systems. And I think some of the latest driver assist technology is fantastic. And I would. I, yeah, I'm consistently impressed with just other car brands I've tested. They're kind of simple self-driving. I know this isn't a self-driving stream, like I said, but I am consistently impressed with just how far a lot of just the base self-driving stuff has come. I mean, you really only need cruise control, adaptive cruise control and lane keep. Like if you can nail those two things, it makes driving, you know, 10 times easier on highways. Really, really, really love the opportunity uh, to have a car that has a little bit better of that. I've already got something like 32,000 miles on my new Defender. It's been a great car and I planned to buy it and drive it to 100,000 miles, but I'm thinking now it probably won't quite get there as more driver assist technology gets better and better. And I think to myself, boy, I could be sitting on the 405, not doing anything. That would be really nice. And so that's, that's, kind of my thought on that subject. So there you go. Would I buy an electric vehicle or self-driving car? Yes, I actually would buy either of them. Even though I'm an enthusiast and I love cars and manual transmissions and gas hear. engines and all that stuff, if the circumstances were right in my life, if I could daily drive these cars, sit in traffic in these cars, an electric vehicle, self-driving car, it would be fantastic. And I would really welcome that in my life, frankly. It would be nice to have that benefit for, for daily drivability. But right. I really want to stress it will not replace the fun and enjoyment 
enjoyable cars. And I really think they're... That's interesting. He does like that's kind of the caveat I think with the whole video. He's been very fair to EVs the whole time. I think all of his arguments are fair. I think the final thing is like this will not replace a fun car for me. So I think that's just something that's kind of deep ingrained in some people. It's like a EV will never be a fun car to me. So I just find that interesting. That's I, I've had tons of fun in EVs. So <laughs> room in this world for you to be a car enthusiast and to like manual transmission, fun, gas-powered cars, and still do most of your miles in kind of a boring driver assist or self-driving situation that is electric. Yes, it's not quite as fun, but those aren't exactly fun miles anyway. And you can go have That's fun true. on the weekends. And frankly, I think it'll make you appreciate your gas-powered manual transmission car even more. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't bring up some of the benefits of, you know, performance or just the way EVs handle <laughs> compared to some gas cars. Because I think some people that have, you know, driven a Model 3 performance or or some of these new EVs and also driven, you know, a, a Porsche, what is the, the really good track car? I think it's the GT3 RS or something. Like, they are pretty comparable on track. So I'm, uh, I'm interested you said that. So, uh, that is it there. I think I'm going to do just one more. We've been streaming about an hour and a half now. So I'm going to jump to, I kind of switched some things around. Um, but I'm going to jump to this Marquez Brownlee autofocus video that was doing the rounds a bit. Get my reaction here. What's up y'all? I'm KBHD here. Okay. Story time. I don't, this is a little different from the usual videos on the Autofocus channel, but this is why I started this channel, because I have thoughts on cars and this this is the place to do it. So I want to get this thought out there, and I think we'll see which who agrees and see if people are on the same page as me. So a couple days ago I went out to get food. This was like two days ago. This is what inspired this video. I went to go get food and it was at this like mall plaza where there's a food place I like. I pull up, I park, I start walking over, and this lady like flags me down. Hey, hey, can you help me with something real quick? I was like, uh, sure, yeah, why not? I, I walk over, and she's pointing at an electric car in a charging spot, and she says, can you help me? I can't figure out how to get this to charge. I go, oh, yeah, of course. She, she saw that I pulled up in this electric car, so she figured this person knows how this works. And uh, so in this whole, you know, mall plaza, there's, like, two electric car charging spots right in the corner. She parked, and she was like, I can't get it to work. I can't get it to plug in. And it's this lady and her son, or, or a, per, a person that she's with, younger guy, and then she's trying to figure this out. This happens, like, way too often, where, like, charging stations are just way too difficult to operate. We've got, like, way too many networks out there. We've got way too many ways of activating charging stations. Like, I'm really hoping that all streamlines in the next five years, because that is a true threat to... EV ownership, I think, is charging. <laughs> first things first. Not just the charging stations, but just the charging experience. It's a Tesla, and this is a charge point charging station. She says, I can't figure it out. It doesn't plug in. I said, oh, of course. You, you need the adapter that comes in the trunk. And as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, that, that doesn't sound easy. Uh, Again, this is almost back to, like, don't use your heaters. Like, it's something that, like, you've got to kind of be careful. And almost, like, this is almost on Tesla to, like, better educate drivers and new purchasers of the car to be like hey do you know how to charge it like do you know what this is do you know how to use this um and tesla's great when you're using tesla chargers it can get very complicated when you're not using tesla chargers um not only you know finding them but also 
plugging in, as we can see here. Uh, but do you have the adapter? She said, what are you talking about? I, uh, I open the trunk for her. I get the little Tesla bag with the adapter in it from CCS to the Tesla plug. I said, you plug this on here and then plug it in and it should work. She said, I'm sorry, I don't know any of this. It's my son's car. The battery's low. I just need to get it to charge. I was like, oh yeah, it's totally. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I kind of know where this video goes, but like, again, she clearly wasn't set up for success here in charging. It's like, don't have, or don't know what the adapter is. Like, don't know how to activate the station, whatever else. Fine. It plugs in, uh, but it doesn't start charging because it's a charge point charger and you need to pay and initiate it to start charging. Right. And so I say, do you have a charge point account? Uh, as it comes out of my mouth, I know the answer is no. And she's, <laughs> she's. I freaking, I'm sure many of the EV drivers in the chat here can attest, but I greatly dislike the, uh, all the accounts we need for all these different networks. Trying to just get it to work. And I say, okay, as long as you have tap to pay right here, you, you don't need to, you don't need an account. You just plug it in like you just did tap to pay with your phone and it should start. Do charge point stations have that built in? I, I almost, I always use my charge point account, but I'm actually not sure if this is true or not. If charge point stations have a uh, tap to pay, I'm actually going to check that real quick. Cause I know you can charge there's tap to charge, but you need the, uh, you need the account for that. Let's just see how to start a charge. This is two years old, but you have three ways to start a charge. Tap your phone. If you're signed into the charge point app, which she didn't have tap your charge point card, which you probably didn't have trap the tap the orange start charge. So I don't know if this is up to date or not, but this is uh so I don't think charge point stations actually have tap to pay. So I actually forget where this goes after this. She does. I hear a little beep sound. The charge light turns blue. I go, okay, all right, so maybe this one has tap to pay. In a few seconds. You should be good. I walk in, I go get my food. I got takeout. Wait, the so did that actually start blue. and turn green? I go, all right, you should be good. That should turn green in a few seconds. So he's talking about the light on the vehicle. So Tesla on the charge point, it charge port, it it turns blue when it's processing or like starting the charge, and it'll turn green to show it's charging. So I don't think it's actually successfully charged, and it probably was blue the whole time because as soon as you plug in, it knows that you are, uh, it knows that you're connected to a station. So it would be blue that whole time. You should be good. I walk in. I go get my food. I got takeout because I wanted it. I grabbed it and I come back out and I walk back towards my car and she's like flagging me down again. I walk over there. It's not working. It's still blue. It hasn't started yet. Mm. And a little so it never started screen on the charge point charger just says like charging not started. And the car, which it's a, it's a Model 3 that she's in. It's got the screen up and it shows that it sees that it's plugged in, but it just isn't getting power. And at this point, I'm like, uh, this could be one of those things where you don't really know what's wrong. Right. And I think that's that's really the core of the issue here is like you sometimes don't know what's wrong. <laughs> and a regular driver should not have to troubleshoot a station just to figure out, you know, what is going on with a certain station just to get their car started. There's a car right next to her at the other electric car charging spot. 
and that person has crossed the wire from one side to the other and it is charging. And I, I kind of figured like that person might know that the other one's broken, which is why they crossed the wire. Maybe this one's broken. And so I try to explain this all to her and I'm, I'm like telling her, you know, if you can find a Tesla supercharger, I know there's one five minutes away, that'll be much faster. It's plug and play, you don't need the adapter. Right. But my point to all of this is the charging infrastructure is just as important to the electric car experience as the car itself. Right. Right? Like, try, imagine explaining to your parents, your grandparents, or anyone who's not super adept with technology, especially, that instead of going to a gas station, they need to make sure they find a working charger with the right adapter and all this. It might, be, it might take longer, it might be a slower charger, it might be broken. Like, this experience... And that, there's been versions of this before where it's like people are like actually genuinely mad and they're like, I don't think the electric car thing is for me. Countless examples. And it keeps bringing this to light where it's like. And I think this is like clearly not a one time anecdotal type experience for EV drivers. Like if you drive an EV, this is something you experience probably, you know. Anytime you're public charging, <laughs> you've run into maybe some sort of issue. Cars like a are one thing, shot. and I love reviewing the cars, and I keep making videos about the cars because I think they're getting so good. But on the other hand, it's way less sexy and interesting to make a video about the charging infrastructure or the public chargers available or the free chargers or the paid chargers. Right. I think this is something I need to do more of, actually. I think there's kind of a lack of, you know, here's how you use this charger and like here's some nuance to maybe think about if you're like troubleshooting or whatever not that that's something again drivers should have to do but i think it's kind of a need where where education is needed for for new drivers but they are literally half the story they're just as important as the car itself we've got a bunch of chargers in the front of our studio actually uh there's about half a dozen there's six of them now i've been in this studio building for six seven years something like that so i'm a really good tenant i'm i'm in touch with the building management and when they told me that they're going to put some electric car chargers in i was like oh great yeah i have an electric car there's some plug-in hybrids i see in the parking lot there's some other electric cars it'll be great they put them in it's been about a year and those of those six one of them i was trying to look of like what network these are um i know these are ev box chargers has completely and it's only showing EV box on here. So I'm wondering if they're using the EV box, you know, be broken and no longer has a cable. Not sure why. One of them, uh, several of them. They also like. And those of those six, one of them. Doesn't look like they put cable management on these either, which is a total has completely broken bust. and no longer has a cable. Not sure why. One of them, uh, several of them. And I'll put a little clip in this video so you can see. Is they're extremely finicky about exactly how you have to plug it in. So not only is there an adapter on my car, but then I have to twist, bend the cable around just right to get the pin to go through and for it to recognize that it's charging or not. Here, look at this clip and see just exactly what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh. I remember watching this first time and just like shaking my head if I've had the same reaction. But yeah, like you shouldn't have to do this to charge your car. <laughs> This is clearly like a faulty connector, faulty wire, like something clearly wasn't built right here on this charger. So 
So it's insane. It's like if the wind blows too hard, I get a notification on my phone saying your car stopped charging. Right. It's like this is the type of thing you don't want regular people to have to deal with. As an early adopter, I'm totally willing to go out of my way to do this stuff. But my point is, yeah, the electric car charging experience is way behind the electric car. The grid, the chargers, the maintenance, all this stuff. I'd argue the maintenance is probably the main thing here. It's, I mean, it's kind of a combination. It's like, there's a lot of new chargers out there, so people aren't trained on them to even do the maintenance. That's a big gap. Um, part of that is because, you know, we don't have the maintenance workforce out there, but also all these products are brand new. So there's going to be kind of a ramp up to training everybody. But also, like, if you see, like, that EV box product that he just showed, the EV box doesn't even make that anymore. So <laughs> there's like some of these products cycle out so fast and are changing so quickly. It's like, how are you even familiar with what products are out there and what needs fixed? It's a big question mark. Um, so I'm hoping that this is the type of thing that gets just as much investment. This is, a, again, I, I think we talk about with Tesla all the time where it's like their advantage is not just the cars, but the superchargers. Who right. else is going to do? One thing I didn't mention when he's like, just go to a supercharger is... I am shocked at the amount of people that like just think when they get an EV to, to treat it like a gas car. They're like, all right, when it's you know below 15%, I'll just drive to a supercharger, plug in there, easy peasy. And that's like, I don't think what we should be pushing people towards at all. It's like, start figuring out you know where you can charge your car while it's parked so you don't have to take extra trips. Do the whole supercharger thing, will they open up superchargers to other cars, but then they'll still need adapters? I'm sorry, this bird is distractingly gigantic over there. Just gonna use the zoom on this S23 Ultra to show you. Um, anyway, that's just what I had on my mind. I I'm curious if you guys have had similar experiences or if you know other people who have had such a bad electric car experience that they decided they were not interested in an electric car. I bet the, the man that that woman was traveling with was completely uninterested in an electric car after that experience. Something to think That's about. That's fair. Okay. Anyway, more car videos coming back at you soon. Just wanted to share this one. Also, as I mentioned, shooting this on the S23 Ultra. And this Borderline Eagle, which I guess probably has a bad wing, is now closer than ever to me. We'll see uh, what happens when it gets close. But let me know what you think of the quality. This might be the first autofocus video in 8K. All right. Is it an 8K? Nope, only 4K. Maybe it's because my... Catch you guys later. <laughs> Peace. All right, so that was probably the last video. Um, yeah, um, let me know your thoughts on the, the chat here. I'll hang out for a few more minutes. But yeah, kind of wrapping up what Marquez said there, I think he, he nailed home a lot of the points. I think it's not only building the stations, it's also having support for them. It's figuring out the the driver experience, like... It needs to be easy and seamless as as much as possible. So I know that is what the industry is headed towards with kind of this plug and charge. We've seen, you know, EVgo has this auto charge thing now, and a lot of other networks are going to start doing that, where it's a one-time setup in the app versus using the app every single time to charge your car. So that I hope is coming. You know, it's something a lot of people in the industry are working on. And we're just, we're hitting it from all fronts, I think. So it's, the good news is it's a fixable problem, right? It's not, it's not something we can't get around as, as an industry. So.
Um, Brian said charging needs to be simplified for CCS. Uh, hopefully Magic Doc, Doc helps and inspires simplicity slash reliability in other networks. Yeah, completely agree. We're going to, Brandon and I dive into this on the podcast a ton. Um, I've actually got to go and edit that now. It's 9 p.m. here in Ohio, <laughs> but we've got to, we've got to get that edited and, and out today. But we, t- we talk about that on the show and basically, you know, what is the, um, what are the consequences of opening up the supercharger network? I think a lot of them are intended that like, hey, Tesla now has a reliable network for all EVs out there. But I think the, uh, I think there's also going to be some unintended consequences as well, which we kind of get into on the show of like, does this, you know, do people just stop using other networks now because Tesla is so much better? Do like people then switch to Teslas or are they like, oh, when they get a Tesla, is it just, or when they get a non-Tesla EV, do they just go to these supercharging networks? Like it's all, there's a lot, a lot, lot to think about there. So, hey, Jack, thanks for tuning in. We're actually, we're wrapping up here soon, but appreciate you stopping by. Um, and Brian said, still need to try EVgo plug and charge. I've heard it's like, I still haven't uh, done it either. I'm, I'm calling myself an EV nerd here and haven't even, <laughs> haven't even tried EVgo's plug and charge. So something I need to test as well. There's actually one very close to my new house and I drive past it all the time. So I need to just stop in there and try it out. But that will do it for for the stream. Uh, like I said, we are um, releasing the new episode of the podcast tomorrow, so definitely tune into that to hear our thoughts on CCS and Tesla, the Magic Doc, and all that stuff. So looking forward to everybody's comments on that. But thank you for everybody that tuned in. It looks like we had a decent amount of people tune in through the whole thing, so appreciate you being here. And let me know if I should do this again, because uh, this was fun reacting to some videos here. With that, I'll talk to everybody soon. See ya.